Welcome, everyone, to our new episode of BAMS Radio here on this uh, Thursday evening, uh, December the 14th of 11 days before Christmas. I'm your host, Rudy Arman, with, of course, Thomas Watts, the wizard, my co-host and producer uh, behind the curtain here on BAMS Radio. And our, and our uh, third cohort, as always, is joining us, a former Alabama offensive lineman from 89 to 1993, 1992 national champion, William Redfish Barger, is with us as well. William, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing pretty good, Dre. Uh, good to hear from you, bud. And, and uh, we, uh, we're definitely going to talk some Alabama football tonight. Uh, some interesting things going on uh, is uh, the coaching carousel continues to uh, turn. It's been kind of a crazy offseason, uh, a lot of movement, especially in the SEC. Uh, we, I know there's been a lot of speculation uh, about, uh, you know, guys that could perhaps uh, be uh, both leaving the Alabama staff and joining it. Uh, with the, I know the one guy that uh, there was there was a lot of uh, you know uh, chatter about Tim Brewster, uh, the uh, tight ends coach uh, for the uh, Florida State Seminoles, and a guy that Nick Saban's been interested in in the past. He's not coming to Tuscaloosa now. He uh, you know didn't announce it at first, but is now in the last couple of days uh, that uh, uh, tweeted out that he will join Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. So that's one big recruiting domino uh, off the. Uh, uh, you know, off the uh, uh, the hiring, uh, uh, the uh, as far as what's going to happen, as far as uh, off the uh, the board uh, that's 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 now in place at Texas A&M, and Jimbo Fisher still putting in place his staff. I know there were some reports last night that Phil Bennett was going to be the defensive coordinator, but talking to Owen Buchanan on my show this morning on Talking Ball from Tex Ags, they're connected as anyone. Uh, it turns out Phil Bennett is a native of College Station uh, and is a guy that. Uh, uh, you know, went to Texas A&M and is kind of retiring there. It looks like he left the Arizona State staff. Doesn't look like he's going to be the defensive coordinator. And an interesting thing that uh, Owen said to me is it looks like they wouldn't, of course, give a name, but they might be targeting someone in the college football playoff to be the defensive coordinator. thought that was interesting that A&M may be waiting until after the college football playoff to ultimately name the D.C., though I read in, uh, some things today from Jimbo Jimbo Fisher quoted as saying they were very, very close to naming that coordinator. And it's interesting because, as you know, William, you follow recruiting. Uh, this is the last visitor's weekend coming up before uh, the signing period on December the 20th through the 22nd. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you've got the early signing period coming up uh, right behind it. So, you know, it's a, you know, an important time. Um, And you've got a uh, you know a proven commodity um, and John Chavis sitting right there in your backyard. Why don't you refund John Chavis? Yeah, you know, I I wondered the same thing, William. Uh, but uh, it sounds like that would have been done right away if he was going to do that. And the longer the days passed, they didn't have an announcement. It didn't look like John Chavis was going to be retained. And now his name is uh, squarely in the middle of uh, – the search over at Arkansas for Chad Morris. Uh, and we know John Chavis has made the rounds. He's been in Tennessee for a long time. He was at LSU and now at Texas A&M. So I was a little bit surprised by that, too. Uh, that, that I thought he might be retained when Jimbo first took the job. But I guess uh, what they're saying is his M.O. is kind of like Nick Saban. 
he wants to find a guy with a lot of back end experience, a defensive back background to run the defense. Oh, okay. Um, well, you know, it's a curious time. We'll see how some of this stuff plays out. Um, you know, I myself am hoping this, that this kid that I've never heard of before that's fixing to get hired, I'm hoping they can find some sort of a George O'Leary baggage on his resume and stop the hire. Uh, and I know I guess you're referring to uh, Pete Golding. Uh, that news broke via Aaron Suttles uh, last night at TideSports.com. Uh, that Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator and cornerbacks coach at the University of Texas, San Antonio, has emerged as a uh, candidate and really is uh, going through the process of being hired at the University of Alabama. From what we understand, uh, Coach Golding had uh, interviewed twice uh, with Nick Saban. Uh, he became highly recommended by Bo Davis, uh, who is the current uh, defensive line coach at the University of Texas, San Antonio, uh, and, of course, has, has served two stints on Alabama's coaching staff. I believe we've uh, confirmed that Coach Saban and Bo Davis have spoken recently, and I'm sure Coach Golding, that was uh, a lot of the subject matter, Bo recommending him. Uh, Coach Golding took over that defense two years ago. They were 101st in the country, and now after two years, uh, they finished this year in the top ten in the country. Finished with a 6-5 and five record in Conference USA with the Roadrunners. Uh, but he's a young up-and-comer uh, with backgrounds in Louisiana. Uh, and as we know, Coach Saban's profile, you know very well with Kirby Smart and uh, Jeremy Pruitt. He likes defensive back guys to be the signal caller on the defense. And uh, he's got some experience coordinating, again, not on the SEC level. But sounds like from what we're hearing, he's going to be a co-defensive coordinator uh, and signal caller for Alabama with Tosh Lupoy having more ga- – game planning input and uh, getting a raise himself and being the co-defensive coordinator, likely sticking with the uh, outside linebackers that we'll see what happens there, which means Alabama would still have to hire an inside linebackers coach, but uh, an interesting hire. Coach Saban has done this before when he hired Jim McElwain kind of off the beaten path. People had not heard of him. That worked out well. Going to be interesting to see how this does with Coach Golding. Yeah, but I mean, I got to disagree with the comparison. I mean, Working for Pat Hill at Fresno State is worlds apart from uh, the Roadrunners. Um, I mean, this this guy has never uh, gone into the living room of an SEC caliber prospect. Um, you know, uh, was trying to slow down SEC offenses compared to uh, the Texas State Bobcats and Southern University. I mean, look, y'all, y'all can spend this thing however you want to. It, it's not even in the same stratosphere. It's how Nick Green, Kirby, and Pruitt to take the, the defense over. In fact, the, the last thing that the last defensive coordinator that Nick Saban hired that didn't have any experience with his program only lasted one year. That was Kevin Steele. That is true. Uh, Coach Steele uh, lasted one year. Kirby Smart took over, and then uh, Coach Steele came back later on uh, to spend a year as linebackers coach. And also was it was spent a year off the field for Alabama. Uh, before now, he's uh, matriculated to Auburn, done a nice job uh, with their defense, uh, was was a uh, Broyles Award finalist. Also, uh, you know, the other defensive assistant that didn't work out, only lasted a year, Greg Brown was on uh, the staff uh, back in 2013 as safeties coach. Uh, and uh, he uh, is now, the, ironically, he was with Kevin Steele uh, with the Auburn Tigers coaching their secondary this year. So, uh, you know, Coach Saban has had a couple guys 
that didn't work out on defense. Hadn't had many, but uh, th- this is a little bit out of the box thinking by Coach Saban. It'll be interesting to see how it goes over uh, and how he does recruit uh, on this level in the SEC. Uh, perhaps he is a rising star. The more I peeled back the onion and looked at his career uh, and what he's accomplished at some different places, you're right. There's no question he hasn't been on the SEC level, but he's uh, his defenses have more than impressed everywhere he's been. But uh, it's going to be a huge step up for him. Interesting that Coach Saban would pull the trigger like this. He must have really, really impressed Coach Saban in the in the uh, interview process, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he and Thomas Lupoy uh, work together. And obviously, I think Coach Saban's wanting to get some young blood on the staff, and it, it does leave a, an opening uh, at the line, inside linebackers coach. We don't know quite yet how that will work out, though. A name of interest that's popped up in the last couple of weeks has been Chris Partridge. Uh, who is one of the ace recruiters in the country at Michigan, uh, former uh, coach at Paramus Catholic, who uh, coached Jabril Peppers and helped uh, the Wolverines uh, get, bring in such studs as Rashawn Gary. Going to be interested to see if uh, Chris Partridge ends up being a part of the staff, William. They say he has a reputation as a Tosley Poy level recruiter, and we know how important Tosley Poy is, uh, has been to the staff the last couple of years, and especially this year uh, with uh, Coach LePoy really uh, trying to help them uh, hold this recruiting class together with Jeremy Pruitt going to Tennessee. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you take away the two guys that he actually coached in high school, and I just don't know how a leader recruiter uh, Patridge is. Um, you know, when you've got two of your former players that are slammed up five stars on your resume, it makes life a little bit easier. Now, you, you know, you got to give them credit for going down to Georgia last year and, and taking the uh, – Aubrey Solomon away from, from Georgia and, and Alabama, but uh, another guy. He's only been on the, on the field coach for two years. Um, it, it, you know, that's at the Big Ten level. Um, you know, we'll see. I, I, you know, it's my opinion. I'll be the first person to come back on here uh, and, and admit I was wrong. It turns out to be a great hire and, and you know, it's very productive, but uh, neither one of these two guys that we're talking about excites me very much. Well, and then Partridge, again, we will reiterate, uh, while it looks uh, very, very strongly that uh, Coach uh, Golding is going to be a part of the staff, Partridge has only been rumored, uh, and uh, I think he's a guy that um, has interviewed with Coach Saban, and we'll see uh, if that comes to pass, because Coach Saban will interview several people, likely, a lot of times for an opening on the staff. And then uh, Bo Davis is someone that's his name's come up, uh, you know, uh, that I know uh, Nick Saban did not want to have to dismiss Bo, but... Uh, Bo had a lot to do with that uh, because of uh, what he when he lied uh, to the NCAA and to Alabama about some things he had done in the recruiting process. And then today, some news about that comes out, William. Uh, they had been appealing his show cause, uh, and they denied it. The NCAA did. Uh, he's going to have a two-year show cause, which is already underway. But technically, uh, he's still got about a eh, almost a year and a half left on it. He would not be able to recruit off campus until after uh, April of 2019. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, I think the, even the more the, the more difficulty there, and, and you know, the, the people that you know told Nick Saban that he had to dismiss uh, dismiss Bo Davis or are no longer in the athletic department. Um, it would be interesting to me to see what you know Greg Burns' take would, would be on that. But but based on what went on and how. Bo Davis turned, you know, minor violations into a, a molehill. 
Um, I would be very surprised if he ever was employed or allowed to be employed by the University of Alabama again. Yeah, I mean uh, that would that would be difficult. There's no doubt about that. And uh, and I, it, but it does sound like that uh, Carl Dunbar may explore his options uh, and uh, perhaps go back to the NFL. A lot of people um, uh, speculated about that when he came to Alabama. You know, I heard that uh, he, he told Nick Saban that he, he would. Uh, uh, it would give him at least two years, but then he might look to go back to the National Football League. He was in the NFL uh, for over a decade. I'd like, to, I'd honestly like to have your take on it, William, as far as uh, the D line. I thought at times they were good this year. Uh, obviously, they did not play as well uh, in November, especially at Mississippi State and against Auburn. But uh, it, he did sign some good players last year: Isaiah Bugs, uh, LeBron Ray. Uh, no doubt about that, Fedarian Mathis, who's a, a promising player who I know you've heard good things about as he's redshirted this year for Alabama. But your overall thoughts on Carl Dunbar and if Alabama should make a change at uh, defensive line coach? You know, I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, I think you have to look at it, um, you, know, you know, from the standpoint of, um, you know, there's a big drop-off in talent. Um, from what there has been, you know, there in the last couple of years. You know, there's no Jonathan Allen. You know, there's no Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, you know, I know a lot of people would classify Ryan Anderson as an outside linebacker. I don't. I consider him a defensive end. Um, you know, you know, another guy that could, you know, fall either way, however you wanted to label him. There's no Tim Williams, especially after the, you know, the Christian Miller and uh, Terrell Paul injuries. But I think that the defensive line, you know, when you, when you look at what they've got, um, you know, uh, you know, a guy like Deshaun Hand, who was, you know, the number one player in the country coming out of high school, um, you know, obviously that, that ranking wasn't correct. Um, you know, he's a good player. He's not an elite player. Um, you've got, uh, you know, I think a guy that can get there one day in, in Raquan Davis, who uh, – you know, certainly has the ability to be, um, you know, a high draft pick and a very, you know, disruptive and productive uh, SEC defensive lineman. Um, you know, Deron Payne, I think he's kind of falling victim this year because there isn't a Jonathan Allen um, or, or a Dalvin Tomlinson, um, you know, along that defensive line. You know, he, they've been able to double-team him and kind of neutralize him to a certain extent. Um, you know, I think you've gotten, you know, some really solid play out of Joshua Frazier, you know, a guy that I wish that had one more year of eligibility left, but unfortunately he doesn't. Um, so, I, you know, I think Carl Dunbar's done a very good job, you know, with what he's had to work with. Um, you know, you look at last year, you know, with what they had, you know, all those great players. Um, so, I, you know, I think a lot of people – you know, gain him a little bit because they don't think he's a great recruiter. And I think you have to look at, you know, the defensive line, just because he's the defensive line coach, doesn't mean he's the primary recruiter for a certain prospect. Um, you know, take, take uh, I'm trying to think now when he left. You know, Bo Davis wasn't the primary recruiter for Deron Payne. Mario Cristobal was. Now, was he heavily involved in his recruiting process? Absolutely. But, you know, Mario Cristobal was the one that, you know, forged that relationship. It was in the home um, the majority of the time. So, you know, you can't look at, you know, if there's a miss at that position, I want to call Dunbar's uh, fault. It doesn't work that way. 
So, um, yeah, I hope he stays. I mean, I think he's done a very good job. I think they play with solid technique. Um, you know, people complain about, you know, the pass rush. But, you know, that, that's one reason why I don't think Deron Payne, and I'm not saying that's why, um, you know, I'm not saying this is a reason why he's going to come back to school. I don't think he is. I think he's going to go regardless of what his grade is. But that's why nobody's giving Deron Payne a first-round grade right now. You know, he's not an explosive pass rusher. Um, he's got poor change of direction despite all his good attributes. That's why he's not, you know, one of the top four or five defensive tackles projected in the draft right now. And, you know, every player has things that you can nitpick and pick apart. But, um, you know, I think Raekwon is still a little bit raw, but, you know, I love his motor. Um, you can see where he could, you know, be one day. And I think he's been very productive. But, um, you know, there's just – when you look at it this year versus last year, there's not a Jonathan Allen, um, you know, at, at the defensive line position. There's not a, at least a fully healthy Tim Williams or a Ryan Anderson. There's not a Reuben Foster at inside linebacker. So, um, you know, that, that's a lot of productivity to try and account for. And, uh, you know, every time people, you know, you feel kind of stupid trying to sit here and come up with an alibi while fans are pissed off. Um, and I understand it's because who the loss was. But I think, if you, like you said, if you peel back the onion, um, you could see the, the kinks or the chinks in the armor of this team, in my opinion, starting with the Texas A&M game. Um, you know, they bullied and, and, and you know, beat up the, the sisters of the poor that they played, and rightfully so. But, you know, just about every decent defense that they played, um, you know, caused this team problems at the point of attack. Um, you know, Texas A&M was able to slow them down. LSU was able to slow them down. You saw what happened at Auburn. And, and I expect that trend to continue against Clemson. Which means, uh, and that's an interesting segue, that, Alabama is going to have to try to find a way, in my opinion, against Clemson to create some balance. Uh, I think they can have some success running the football because, as you've seen, William, they've been able to run it on just about everyone to a degree. Um, uh, a lot of, of course, of course, some of that was explosive runs by Damian Harris, like against Arkansas and Texas A&M, which really helped. Uh, 75-yard runs in both of those games for touchdowns. But also, uh, you know, uh, they've – uh, they uh, they are uh, they they ran the ball for 200 yards against Auburn, average six yards per carry. Uh, but they, they're going to have to find a way to to generate 200 passing yards. Is basically what I've said. Whether that's you know with just with Jalen and and finding a way getting the to ball, get the ball out of his hands quickly to on short quick passes, or you know uh, using the tight end. I asked Phil Savage about this yesterday, uh, or perhaps in my theory, uh, you know giving Tua Tungavailoa a chance to play. I know you talked about it a little bit last week, uh, but um, I, I still think that Tua can help this offense, and they'll have a month to prepare starting uh, tomorrow on the practice field. Uh, but I know you have talked about Tua you, from what the people you've spoken with would have a chance to play. Talk about what kind of role Tua could have to help this offense perhaps generate some of the balance that they're going to need against, a, uh, as you said, a great front like Clemson. Well, I mean, I think first of all, you know, you and I talking about what might happen and what might be best um, is, 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 is probably not some of the same things or could be some of the same things, you know, that's running through Nick Saban's mind. Um, you know, 
you just, you know, I'm sure you do. You know, you're on Twitter. I'm not. You know, that's your that's your battle to fight, not mine. I would never subject myself to that 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 craziness. Um, but you know, I've seen so many just you know unsubstantiated rumors floated out there. Um, you know that that you know Tua and Najee are going to transfer to UCLA if they don't get a fair shake. Um, you know, hell, in Najee's case, I don't know if anybody would care. Um, he's got to be the best true freshman running back on campus before anything like that happens. Um, but you know, do I do I think if 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 the game plan was to play both quarterbacks, would it make it more difficult for Clemson? Sure, I do. But that does not negate the fact of where this real matchup that Alabama is behind the eight ball comes into play. And it comes down to uh, – and ain't the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. And, and at the end of the day, Alabama's offensive line has two really good football players on it, and that's Bradley Bozeman and Jonah Williams. Um, only one of those two has a chance to be a first-round draft pick. Clemson's defensive line has three guys that, when their draft eligibility comes up, is going to go in the first round. And to me, that's the difference in this ball game. Um, I don't know whether or not a Jalen Hurts playing at the top of his game can make that much of a difference, or if a Tua Tungle up by Loa, uh, you know, playing at the top of his game can make that much difference. Um, you know, I just. I just, I just think there's too much um, uncertainty and disruption going on right now with Alabama's team. You know, hopefully after practice starts back up tomorrow, maybe a little bit of that settle down. You know, I'm amazed. Um, I'm amazed on one hand. I'm kind of pissed off on the other uh, that – you know, not only has nobody else, you know, put the money together to go up there and try and steal one of Clemson's defense, uh, excuse me, offensive coordinators away, I'm pissed off that Nick Saban didn't do it. Um, you don't see anybody being able to make a successful run at Jeff Scott or Angelo, the co-offensive coordinators, or, or Venables, you know, the defensive coordinator. You know, I've never seen a, a program – that's had the sustained success that they've had over the last five years where nobody leaves. Um, it's a revolving door in Alabama. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Up until probably two years ago, I thought the staff turnover was a, was a good thing in Alabama. But, um, you know, when you start looking at um, whether it was a guy that got the job because of his X's and O's ability um, or his recruiting prowess ability, you know, in, in a perfect world, you would hope you could combine the two. Um, I just think that in a lot of cases, you know, they downgraded in Tuscaloosa with some of these coaching replacements. Um, you know, if, if this, you know, golden kid, whatever his name is, becomes the, the defensive coordinator with play calling responsibilities, I can tell you right now, you can kiss Tosh LaPoy goodbye in, in 12 months. He's going to take the first, you know, million and a half dollar offer that he gets to be his own man, being able to do things the way he wants to do. And he's not going to care whether, you know, Nick Saban tells his potential boss that he doesn't have back-end knowledge to call a defense. Um, so he'll go, you know, he'll go find a job just like, you know, Mario Cristobal, you know, got hired as a head coach without ever being an offensive coordinator. 
um, the first time around and just got a great job at Oregon, you know, with the same deal. Um, I, you know, it, it's an interesting time. And, and I, I, you know, I hate to even do this show with you and Thomas, you know, bringing this type of negativity to the show that I'm bringing because I'm a very positive person in real life. Uh, you know, I dump as hard as anybody, but, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just seeing some, some things that I don't like. I'm seeing some chinks in the armor. And, and I can tell you right now, if this happens, if it plays out, and I hope to God it doesn't play out this way, but I'm going to tell you what, what the way this could be um, a month from now. If, if Alabama loses to Clemson and somehow Clemson um, wins the national championship, that's back-to-back national championships for Dabo Sweeney and beating Nick Saban two times in a row, you'll see this fan base turn on Nick Saban uh, your dynasty is over. The guy that ended it for you has started his own dynasty. And, oh, by the way, it's time to uh, put Nick out to pasture and bring Dabo home. Interesting thoughts uh, right there from uh, William Barger. And going to be interesting to, to see how it all works out and uh, see uh, where uh, the, what, what, what happens with Tosh Lupoy and uh, if, you know, all this comes to pass and how much more, if any, uh, responsibility Tosh is given and and what his role will be along with Golding uh, and uh, I, I know Tosh is uh, still a young coach and uh, developing I know Nick Saban has been kind of grooming him like he did uh, Jeremy Pruitt and uh, and and uh, and Kirby Smart but you're right we'll see I mean we we did see uh, Brent Key brought in to work with Mario Cristobal within a year Mario did leave and he went out to uh, become a co-OC and uh, paid a million dollars a year at Oregon and now uh, the timing has worked out for him. Mario gets a, a head coaching job once Willie Taggart comes back to Florida State. Uh, and uh, they've been able to, you know, for the most part, keep his uh, coaching staff together. I don't I don't know that Mario has hired a defensive coordinator yet, but he's going to put together his own staff. And they had a strong recruiting class uh, coming together, and now uh, they're uh, going to try to keep that together. Uh, I know Marcus Arroyo is going to be Mario's offensive coordinator and sets up an interesting dynamic, William, because – Panay Suell, and we go back to recruiting, he's going to announce where he's going on December the 20th, uh, the first day of the signing period. And that's probably going to come down to Alabama or Oregon. Uh, some Oregon buzz lately. Going to be interesting to see because Tosh Lupoy has put Alabama in strong position. Many thought, including myself, when it first went down, that Mario might go with Willie Taggart. But uh, yeah, really nice. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I think 70 to 80 players signed a petition for Mario to become head coach. He gets a really good gig, and now uh, he's going to head up with Alabama uh, for a big-time recruit. Yeah, you know, I thought if, if Willie Taggart took that Florida State job, um, when you can, and this is nothing against Mario Cristobal. I'm, I'm so happy for him. Um, he's probably, I would have to say, probably – one of the top three coaches, um, in my experience, in 30 years of Alabama football, um, that's come through that program. Just a, just a genuine guy. You know, one of the few people in the coaching business that, you know, is who he is. Um, whether he needs something from you or not, he returns the favor. Uh, but I, I never, in my life, came to the thought, you know, Oregon would have given him that opportunity, and you know, uh, good for him that he got it. Um, but you know, the, the thing that, you know, that, that's really jumped off the page with me is, you know, talking about recruiting, especially with Sewell, um, 
you know, the, 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 especially now with Jeremy Pruitt getting head coaching job at Tennessee, when, when you see all these pictures posted on Twitter, um, you know, from these recruits, you know, it's Nick Saban and Tosh support. Um, you know, you saw the deal um, the other day with, with the, you know, the defensive tackle prospect from Texas, Bobby Brown. You know, that's not Tosh McCoy's recruiting area. Um, you know, Tosh has basically been tasked with, you know, carrying this recruiting class and trying to, um, you know, get it up into, you know, the top ten, top five level, um, you know, which Alabama needs to continue the type of success that they've had. And, you know, my $64,000 question is, you know, a year from now, um, you know, you know, three short years ago, you know, you had a overmingling, um, you know, coaching staff where, you know, you had, you know, Kirby Smart, Mario Cristobal, uh, you know, you know, intermingled with Jeremy Pruitt and Tosh Lapoy. You know, you had four of the best recruiters in the country. You know, not necessarily on staff at the same time, but within a year of each other. Now, all of a sudden, uh, you know, you're looking at it's, it's Tosh Lapoy or Bust, it looks like, with a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, if he's got a bad taste in his mouth over getting passed over, um, you know, not being that next, you know, alpha guy out there on the sidelines calling the plays on, on game day, and he decides to take his game elsewhere. Um, you know, what are we looking at as far as recruiters go? Um, you know, it's kind of a scary proposition. But, you know, I think that, you know, we could talk about a lot of other recruits um, that I would be concerned about, but, you know, getting it off. And I'd love to get Sewell. I think he's a great player. But, you know, if you stuck a gun to my head and said, okay, uh, do, do you really want him, especially with the limited number of spaces available in this class? You know, do you want him or maybe sit back and take a chance outside of getting, you know, the, the, the offensive tackle uh, from Florida? How do you pronounce it? Petit Freer or whatever it is? Yeah, Nicholas Petit um, Freer. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm taking Pierre every day and, and all Sunday. Because he's an offensive tackle or a pure one, and I know Coach Saban. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Coach Saban, Coach Saban uh, believes he's a first-round draft choice, and I know Brent Key has done a really good job recruiting him, and that's a good another nice segue. Uh, there's been talk about Brent Key. Personally, I thought I, I agree with you, William. I think the offensive line has been solid, not spectacular, and I was told to expect that going into the year. It's it's not a 2012 group. Uh, a lot of people are have uh, clamored about Jeff Stoutland since he left and has gone went to the NFL. But as, as you pointed out, when he left, he had, he had done a good job coaching, but wasn't the recruiter that a guy like Mario Cristobal, who, who uh, you know, replaced him was and uh, stayed with Alabama for four seasons and, and really helped upgrade the talent level at that offensive line. Uh, of course, there was even some, though, that criticized Mario's coaching ability. I thought he did a pretty solid job. Uh, Nick Saban brought in Brent Key. I think he, he really liked the way Coach Key's reputation. Uh, but what what has been your thoughts on how Brent Key has performed uh, with this offensive line? You know, I think it's still a tell, Drew. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, without naming names, um, and, you know, I think this has been a, you know, a reoccurring theme of, of the, the Saban era. And, you know, you sound like an idiot for – even bringing something like this up, but there is a, 
uh, flavor of the month, I guess, so to speak, of, you know, that coaching staff kind of leaning towards the, the, the more, uh, you know, senior-laden player, I guess, so to speak. Um, you know, I've, I've been told by some people that know um, that some decisions were made along that offensive line that were out of Brent Key's control. Um, he's got a, a very, very nasty class uh, lined up for 2019. So I wonder if, you know, he did depart or was asked to depart, you know, what would happen there? Um, I think he's got a chance to get, you know, three very, very talented offensive linemen, often within the state of Alabama in the 2019 class. So, you know, I think he's done a good job. I mean, I'm not a big fan of, you know, having one offensive line coach. I think, you know, when you're looking at, you know, five players on every play, it's impossible to give them quality teaching and correction on every play. Um, You know, I wish they would go back to the, you know, the two-line system, uh, you know, offensive line coaching system, I should say. And, you know, that's, again – um, you know, I guess another thing now that it looks like, at least right now, that, you know, I was hoping that, you know, that 10th assistant on the field assistant was going to be a established and reputable uh, quarterback coach. I was, I was hoping it was going to be Dan Werner. You know, now it looks like it's going to segue over to the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, now that I think about it, I've had a chance to reflect on it. It might make more sense because going into 2018, um, there's going to be a lot more talent deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball uh, versus the offensive side of the ball if they do decide to start the best 11 on offense. So, you know, maybe Nick Saban sees that and is planning for it uh, going forward. But, you know, would I, would I love to get a guy like Panay Sewell who seems like a very uh, solid kid that comes from a great family? Um, you know, I think that's something, especially in big-time recruiting, that you don't see that much anymore. Um, you know, you know, kids have an opportunity to come from a great background with a great support system. Um, it, you know, for everything that I've read and seen about his family, he certainly does come from that situation. And, you know, obviously having a guy, uh, even though he doesn't look like uh, somebody that comes from a Samoan or Polynesian background with red hair, you know, obviously, Tosh McCoy is going to give Alabama a chance to, you know, get in those type of get in on those type of players. You know, as long as he's at the University of Alabama, um, so we'll see. But you know, Alabama's got uh, you know more offensive guards and center prospects on campus, and they know what to do with as it is. And I'll always take guys um, that have the ability to be elite, you know, edge players at left tackle or right tackle. Um, you know, over inside guys because the guys that aren't good enough to play outside that you recruit there, um, you can always slide them inside and turn them into a garner center. You can, and uh, so that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and we'll talk more about that uh, when the spring comes around, what uh, what changes could be made. Uh, but I think we're all expecting the same group uh, as far as uh, starting offensive line, barring any injuries during preparation to take the field against Clemson. And you've already said that Alabama's got an uphill battle to climb going up against that Clemson front. Uh, as far as Clemson uh, and, their, and their offensive line, they've got a pretty good group. 
it's not the same kind of offense without Deshaun Watson back there and his passing ability. Kelly Bryant, good runner, a good thro- a good passer as well, uh, but uh, he's much more of a run threat than Deshaun Watson was. Uh, I know it's early, and we'll talk more about it. But just uh, you know, as we before we start practice, how do you see kind of that Alabama, uh, you know, uh, uh, the the uh, the uh, defensive line holding up against Clemson's offensive line? Um, you know, I don't think it's any different. You know, the, the key matchup, which I think they've done a great job in, in the first two games. You know, they've got a kid named Mitch Hyatt that starts from in at left tackle. It's a top ten draft pick. Um, he's he's neutralized. You know every edge rusher that we've put against him in the last two matchups. I expect him to do it again. Um, you know whether it's Christian Miller or Rashawn Evans or, or Terrell Hall, um, he's just that good of a player. You know the, the rest of the guys, um, you know, are good players. Probably not elite, but you know I think the difference, like you just touched on. You know, Kelly Bryant isn't Deshaun Watson as a passer, um, but he's faster as a runner. Um, you know, again, you get into, uh, you know, whether it's been Jeremy Pruitt or Kirby Smart or Nick Saban, whoever you want to, you know, blame it on, um, you know, the, the Alabama defense having, you know, such a tough time uh, slowing down dual-threat quarterbacks, and I do think Kelly Bryant is a dual-threat quarterback. Um so, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, that's why you line up and play the game. Um, you know, Las Vegas has a lot of money coming in in the last week. Um, it's kind of pushed that line to, to a two-and-a-half-point favor towards Alabama's way. Um, you know, I don't understand where that money's coming from, but, you know, I'm not a professional gambler either, so we'll have to wait and see and find out. But I just think when you look at it on paper, the thing that jumps out is – you know that 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 those front four guys and how talented they are. Um, you know, I think that's something else, probably a, a topic of discussion. Um, you know, better suited for you know the off season. Uh, you know, why? How has Dabo Sweeney been able to recruit? Um, you know, three five star quarterbacks. Uh, it looks like probably. You know, obviously Deshaun Watson's panned out. We'll have to wait and see what happens with Hunter Johnson. But, you know, they got a kid coming in next year, and Trevor Lawrence, you know, that a lot of people think, uh, you know, is better than Andrew Luck as a pro-style quarterback. So, you know, Dabo's already got two of – and this is not a Dabo Sweeney infomercial. But I'm just, you know, kind of looking at where the two programs are right now. And, you know, he's got the quarterback position and the defensive line position figured out. They, they are better at the quarterback position with more depth and better at the defensive line position right now than Alabama is. And it, uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for Alabama. But I guess uh, to close in our last few minutes of this BAMS radio episode, uh, William, because uh, uh, we, will, we will not be uh, coming back to you until uh, the day after, but – uh, what? How do you? Uh, how many uh, guys are you hearing that Alabama may sign in the early signing period? This will be the first year this has happened. It's been an interesting dynamic with all this coaching turnover. But uh, I've been hearing at least maybe a dozen, and they could sign two thirds of the class. Uh, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, I think that's still a little bit. Um, there's still some fluidity there, Drew. I mean, you know, you see guys, you know, like, a guy like Jalen Waddle was expected to do that, and he's backed off of that. You might see some other ones 
uh, you know, do it between now and the 20th. Um, you know, you might see a couple more, you know, after the, the official visit this weekend. Uh, but I would say probably between 8 and 10 um, would be the safe number. And so we will see uh, what what happens there. I, th- I think it's uh, pretty safe to say that there'll be double digits uh, signed by Alabama. And then, and then, uh, and then what will be interesting is, William, kind of what happens in the aftermath uh, because, of course, Alabama will be preparing for the Sugar Bowl, but then uh, you will have uh, a dead period and then about another month or so to recruit and kind of how you reassess uh, what's out there and what you and who are going to be the top targets and if it changes at all. Yeah, I think, you know, unfortunately, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I would much rather, uh, you know, Alabama um, – you know, had beaten Auburn and, you know, had to play that SEC championship game like they normally do. But um, it's given them a couple of extra weeks to, to get out there uh, on the recruiting trail and, you know, make in-home visits, um, you know, send the assistants out there to schools and, and, you know, go watch kids play basketball. So they've had a, a little bit of a jump start um, on recruiting that they don't normally have. And, again, like you said, you know, depending on how uh, – the, the January 31st game turns out, um, or is it the 31st or the 1st? Oh, I can't even remember. It's the 1st, January 1st. The 1st. Um, you know, they'll get right back at it um, after that, um, you know, if they don't get past Clemson. Um, you know, if they do, then, you know, they've got to prepare for, you know, whoever wins between uh, Georgia and Oklahoma. But, you know, I just think it's an interesting time. I'm not, you know, trying to be a prophet and make predictions. But, you know, you hear things, you see things, and you try and, you know, put them all in the peace pipe and smoke them. And, you know, some of them adds up and the other ones don't. Um, You know, at the end of the day, um, I'm not bitching and complaining. I'll I'll take all the uh, 11-1, and 11-2 seasons that Nick Saban wants to serve me up. But, you know, I do think this is – some interesting times, so to speak, in, in uh, the Nick Saban uh, coaching year. What I was saying, I was going to tell William Barger that thank you, uh, sir, for the time tonight. As always, uh, you're very generous with us. And it's going to be an interesting time, as you said, because when we uh, convene next week, it's going to be the day after the early signing period. And, of course, it will still be underway from the 20th to the 22nd, but a lot of those young men will probably make their decision uh, on uh, the 20th so we'll have some conversation about recruiting and practice will be underway and so we'll end up uh, talking about uh, the preparation for Clemson probably delve more into that matchup but thank you for joining us tonight and uh, we really appreciate it and we'll talk with you next week thank you guys that's William Redfish Barger uh, I'm your host Drew Armand, and we didn't really get a, t- a chance to talk a lot of basketball tonight but uh, Alabama did drop an 88 to 82 decision uh, in uh, Tucson, Arizona this past Saturday. Uh, still, uh, you know, I thought they, uh, you know, played well against a team that will probably be a top three seed in the NCAA tournament and I think has a very good chance to win the Pac-12. DeAndre Hayden might be the first pick in the draft. Uh, he had 29 and 18, but Colin Sexton had 30 points. Alabama is going to be, uh, you know, uh, taking the court this coming Tuesday, and we'll talk about that, too, on our next BAMS radio. They will be in my rocket city of Huntsville, Alabama, taking the court against Mercer. Uh, it will be on the SEC Network. Looks like Braxton Key is going to be back in the lineup, uh, either coming off the bench or perhaps in the starting lineup. We don't know yet uh, in, in that game, so he'll be back into the equation. 
Hopefully Alabama can get a big win before going. Uh, uh, they got to uh, on uh, the de- December 22nd in Birmingham to play against the Texas Longhorns. But Alabama basketball right now seven and three, off to a solid start, looking to try to finish their pre-conference nine and three before a huge game on December the 30th against Texas A&M. December the 30th will be the SEC opener. The SEC looking very strong, and we will be talking more Alabama basketball in the future. But we want to thank everybody for joining us on this BAMS radio. Uh, no, we in, we want to thank uh, William Barger for joining us. I want to thank Thomas Watts, the wizard behind the curtain. We hope everyone enjoyed our conversation as we'll continue to follow the coaching staff situation at Alabama. As we said, Pete Golding looking to join the staff as a co-defensive coordinator and some other changes could be coming, some fresh recruiting blood uh, to be on this staff following this either. playoff run. But Alabama looking to try to win that 17th national championship and bounce back following uh, their uh, worst performance of the year at Auburn. But, uh, they, you know, Alabama's going to be well-rested. They'll be ready for Clemson. I think it'll be a very good football game again. I'm leaning more and more toward Alabama a little bit in this situation because I'm anticipating to a tongue of a little playing. We'll see if that comes for fruition. But good night, everybody, and roll tide, and thank you for listening uh, to BAMS Radio tonight. And, again, thank you uh, to Thomas Watts and William Redfish Barger. Good night, everybody.